All right. One more time. High five three people. Let them know you're happy they're here. Okay. Wow. Okay. It's our one-year birthday, so it's like the first time you've got cake. Do that one more time and high five three people. <laughs> like your first time you got cake. Remember how? I don't either, but there's pictures. So uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, thank you all so much for being here. We got some crazy cool things happening. And uh, first off, uh, thank you to everyone uh, that I get to be here. I'm just going to take a minute uh, because it is Pastor Appreciation Month uh, to say thank you to everyone who is here. If you follow us on Facebook and follow us online, we've tried to thank our pastors for being here because here's the thing. It's not just one pastor. It's all of us coming together as a church uh, and our pastoral advisory team. We, we seek God's face. We seek what he wants us to do. And we ask him the direction in which we should go. And we always get to, uh, so I just want to say first and foremost, thank you to Alex and Brittany that are here. Thank you for Tim and Olivia that are here. Thank you for Mike and Elizabeth down in Florida. Thank you for Joe and Perrette that are teaching the children how to uh, follow Jesus and listen to him. That's our pastoral advisory team. But also thank you to David and Marla for leading our Vine worship team. How crazy awesome was that, y'all? Like, I... Uh, I just want to tell each and every one of you that I'm a better man of God because of y'all, and uh, that's what always gets me. Uh, I don't deserve to get to be here. I'm thankful that I get to be here, uh, but I'm thankful Jesus made me for this uh, because I couldn't imagine it any other way. So thank each and every one of you. Thank you to every sower here at Divine Church, uh, and I just want to say it's just the beginning. The best is still yet to come. We can celebrate some milestones, but today we're going to get to talk about some things. And I believe in the freedom that Jesus has given us. I believe in all that he's doing. I believe that he is who he says he is, and I'm thankful that we get to lift his name high today. So uh, I do want to ask you to do a favor for me, though. Um, maybe you got your phone, uh, or maybe maybe you don't. Don't act like you don't. I know we all do in church. Don't lie to me. If you haven't done this yet, I am going to ask you a very, very... Uh, very specific thing. Go to Facebook and share this message for me right quick. Go to our Vine Church page and do that. And this is why. Not only is this a celebration of our one-year anniversary, birthday, slash God's faithfulness, but I believe today what we're going to talk about is something that's real important. So if you go to our Facebook page, go ahead and share today's message. And maybe you don't have it on your phone right now and you can't find it. It's okay. You can go by after and look on our videos tab and you can see the message and share that. Um, because today I believe what we're talking about is important because we're talking about when the devil knocks and while you're sharing that I'm just going to set this up um, and say this whole series um, we've been trying to prepare us for the daily battles we have that we don't know that are happening last week we talked about Satan attacking our mind with lies today we're going to talk about the accusations of the enemy against our soul and next week we're going to be talking about how Satan comes after our heart with pride and so today, we're going to be talking about Satan as the accuser. Now, this is really important because how many of us have ever been accused of something in our life? Should be 100% participation. If you have siblings, you know you have been accused of taking something, of doing something. Sometimes rightfully so, can we be honest? Rightfully so. Like, who ripped the head of my Barbie doll off of the body? Like, rightfully so. I'm the little brother. That happened. And it just looked better on my G.I. Joe. I'm just saying. It is what it is. And the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles seem to get along with my G.I. Joe more. I don't know. So we had that. And then how many of us have been given the credit for something that, that really we've been accused of that we didn't deserve the credit for, right? 
So either way, we've been on both sides of the accusation train. And here's the thing that I know the enemy will do when it comes to accusations. Is he'll make us think we're not good enough. We're not worthy enough. We can never be used. Maybe these are some things that I'm playing something that you're hearing right now in your mind. It's not just the lies of the enemy. It's, yes, Jesus saved me, but I'll never be good enough. Jesus saved me, but I will, I'll never get past this. Jesus saved me, but I ruin everything. Jesus saved me, but there's no way that I can be that great. Jesus saved me, but I can't be a great parent. Jesus saved me, but I can't be a great teenager. Jesus, Jesus saved me, but I can't. And the enemy's going to come at you like that all the time. And so today we're going to share a familiar story. And I believe at the end it's going to make a whole lot more sense. And if it doesn't, then I'm just going to ask you to tune in to Jesus. Don't listen to me because none of this is for me. It's all from Jesus. So we do this every week. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to John 8. If you would like a free Bible, nudge your neighbor. We've got plenty in the back over at the garden. But we also do this really cool thing with the Bible app on our phone. And I'm going to pull it up. You're going to see a video here. Uh, we're going to pull up how you can join us here uh, on the Bible app. If you'll open up the Bible app on your phone, you click the More tab. Uh, and when you go to the More tab, you're going to click Events. Make sure your location services are on. We only track you for Christmas sales. I mean, it is what it is. We only, I'm just kidding. We don't track you. But you got to have that on, on the Bible app to make sure you go to events and look at the Vine Worship Experience. And what you can do is click there, find out how you can connect with us, how we can pray with you, pray for you, how we can walk with you through this season, whatever season you're in. But more importantly, you can take notes because it's not just about coming to Sunday, hearing something, pulling and flushing. It's a place where you can go back and see the notes and see what Jesus is speaking specifically to you and not have to worry about shuffling through the pages of your Bible. But once again, we have a free Bible for you if you would like that. So today, if you've got your Bible app, go ahead and click on that, and you're going to be able to see the Vine Worship Experience. We're going to be in John 8, and we're going to be in a story that we're familiar with, a big story that we're familiar with. And I think that it goes perfectly with where we are with the devil as an accuser in our life, as an accuser in our life. So today, we're going to talk about the devil and his game plan is the accuser. Because I think if we see these questions being asked in our life, we can see that it's the voice of the enemy, not the voice of the creator and our savior God speaking to us. And today I want us to be able to tell the difference from that. So if you got your Bible, you got your Bible. I'm going to set this up. John 8. It's going to be really interesting. Only a four-hour service today. It's going to be great. It's because we've got a cookout after for everybody to celebrate it. So, you know, it's kind of like we just have those long services. You can smell the food. Everybody's sleepy. It's good. This time change is about to come. We know what's happening. So John 8. So let me tell you about where we are in John 8. So I want you to get real excited because you can tell I'm a little bit excited. I'm also going to cry. I'm emotional. It's great. I'm like a teenager again. It's perfect. Um, John 8. John 8. So when we get ready, I, I told you about our pastoral team. You can see pictures of them and see who they are on our web page. You can see it on our Facebook page. I'm so thankful for them. Like I said, I'm a better man of God, a better follower of Jesus because of them. But I want you to know that when we pray for series, we pray for what God has for us going forward in advance. And we say, God, what would you have us talk about? And it's crazy that Jesus lined up today with this scripture, okay? So John 8 is actually where, where, what we have called the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of the Tabernacles. So let me tell you why this is important. The Feast of the Tabernacles, because this is the setting for where Jesus is. It's the Feast of the Tabernacles. So this Feast of the Tabernacles is the Harvest Feast. The Feast of the Harvest. Sounds familiar, right? 
And believe it or not, they, they end it with, with, with the Festival of the Eighth Day, which actually happened on October 1st and 2nd this year, is where they have this huge celebration. But this Feast of the Tabernacles is where this is happening. And the reason why this is important is what would happen is Israel would celebrate God's faithfulness from bringing them out of Egypt in the wilderness for 40 years. So this Feast of the Tabernacles is where they would set up a tent, celebrate God's faithfulness for bringing them through the wilderness, but also anticipate the Messiah coming. That's what this whole feast is about. So they would celebrate God's past faithfulness over the year and have anticipation for what he's going to do going forward. It's crazy. We're actually having a feast of the tabernacles right now. We just don't realize it. And so the groundwork that is Israel is in the middle of this celebration, but it is the only celebration where the Gentiles are welcomed into the house of God to be a part of it. Sounds like church, right? We always say whether you follow Jesus, whether you follow 20 years, 20 minutes, two weeks, or don't even know who he is, don't care who he is, you're always welcome here at the vine because we always create the welcome home experience. So it's no coincidence that today Jesus lined up John 8 for us to talk about with the enemy talking about accusations. So understand that Israel is in this moment in the feast, in the feast of the tabernacle. So are you with me? Everybody with me? I see some looks. I know we're tired. We got it. We got coffee. We're going to have good stuff to eat a little bit later, so it's going to be a great nap today, y'all. <laughs> Today's nap's going to be a year celebration nap, if you know what I mean. It's going to be good times. So if you got your Bible today, get to John 8, and remember, we're in the Feast of the Tabernacle. Gentile and Jew are together. They're celebrating God's faithfulness through the wilderness, anticipating the Messiah to come, because the Messiah's coming, right? He's already there, but they don't realize it. So John 8, verse 2 says this, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, favorite part, where all the people gathered around him. All the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. See, here's what I love about Jesus. I get so busy in my life. Maybe we're here right now in our life. Maybe the accusation the enemy has on our life is we're too busy. Hello, story of my life sometimes, right? But what I love about Jesus is he understood that for, in order for the people to share him with the world, they had to first be taught. So he wasn't afraid to sit down and teach them in the middle of this festival, even though he is the thing that they're celebrating and they don't know it. How crazy is that? I love that Jesus does that. So he sits down and he teaches all of them. Then here they come, our favorite people, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. Made her stand before the group. More than likely, this woman was naked. If she had any clothes on. So, let me tell you about this temple court. Remember, the court is separated. You have the court of women, the court of men, the priests are in a separate area. This woman is caught in adultery, and they throw her in front of Jesus, practically naked, if not naked, and say she's caught in adultery in front of everyone. Her shame, her sin, her nakedness is exposed to everyone at once. Maybe that's how you feel sometimes. And maybe the enemy's trying to give you some false accusations in that because we're going to see what Jesus does with that. But this is why I believe today is a special word for all of us. These teachers said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Beginning of verse 6 says this, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. 
You see, the first thing that the accuser is always going to do is condemn you. So the accuser condemns. If you're taking notes, the accuser condemns. That's the first thing that he does. He's going to make sure that he accuses you of what, what, and condemns you and makes you feel in your sin and shame that you're not, you shouldn't be in the presence of God with it. They throw this woman naked in front of Jesus while he's teaching. Like, can you imagine that humiliation? Can you imagine where she is? Can you imagine how it feels? Here's the thing. Her sin was brought to light, but she was thrown in there by a bunch of nicely clothed men. Church, this is what scares me. Well-dressed men. Had their gold rings on, their best suits, everything. Instead of clothing the woman and bringing her to Jesus, they threw her in front of him naked. It says, hey, the law says to stone her. And this is how they were trying to get a scheme. Because, see, if Jesus said, if Jesus said, yes, she should be stoned, they were going to go to Rome. Because then Jesus is then saying that he can execute capital punishment. And you remember, Jesus couldn't even be crucified without going through the Romans. So they were going to try to turn him over to the Romans and say he's trying to take the law in his own hands by saying this woman can be stoned. That's how they were trying to accuse him. But then they, they thought they had a backup plan. This is what the enemy does with all of us. He thinks he's got a plan B and he's ready to go with plan B. Their backup plan is, is if he says she shouldn't be stoned, they're going to say he's not a teacher of the law. He's not teaching it correctly. He no longer deserves to tell people who God is. So therefore, he is not righteous. Therefore, he is not the prophet. He is not who he says he is. So either way, it looks like Jesus is stuck, right? We know Jesus isn't. We know how this rolls. But... I think some of us right now are right there with the enemy. He's got us thinking we're stuck no matter what we do. We're going to fail no matter what we do. We're going to be exposed no matter what we do. We're going to be in our sin and shame, and the whole world is going to see it and judge us for it. But you see, here's the thing that the Pharisees forgot. I'm going to give you a verse to go back and look a little bit later. Just write this down. I did it included in here. Uh, and, and with our team, our creative team does a great job. I throw them for loops all the time. They're incredible. But I forgot to put this one in here. But just write this down. Deuteronomy 22, 22. It's easy to remember. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Fifth book, 22, 22. Here's what the Pharisees didn't do. It tells you that when a man and woman is caught in adultery, they're both supposed to go before Israel to be stoned. Both. Do you see both? Do you see both in this picture? Doesn't this sound like the world we live in a little bit? Do you see both in this picture? I don't see both in this picture. As a matter of fact, one of the men could have been the one that threw her in there. Both. And, and more importantly, what the Pharisees left out is the one who caught them in adultery, the people who caught them in adultery, were actually the ones that were supposed to stone them. Not a third party. They were actually supposed to do it themselves. And so the enemy, a lot of times in our life, see, he already knows the victory is not won and he's already defeated and that Jesus has already, he's already, he's already, he's already defeated sin, death, and the grave. He holds the keys to hell because he died and rose again. And yet all of a sudden, the accuser will bring us with a mob in front of everyone and say, in your nakedness, in your shame, in your sin, you can never be good enough for Jesus to use you. And maybe that's where you sit right now. But the thing is that the enemy, like we talked about last week, will leave a little bit of that law out. So when you look back at that, I want you to know sometimes the enemy will use the word of God against you and leave a little piece out. 
Just like we talked about last week with the lies. When he's accusing you and condemning you, he gets there. As a matter of fact, Revelation 12 talks about Satan be the accuser of our brethren. And here's the thing. Last week, we talked about Adam and Eve. When Eve ate that fruit, her and Adam were exposed to their what? Nakedness. Before then, in the presence of God, he knew everything about them. And it wasn't a problem. Since then, we've been trying to sow fig leaves on everything we do, even after we've given our heart to Jesus. And we try to give Jesus 99%. We try to give him 98%. And the enemy knows that 2% we leave out is the 2% that we're afraid of being exposed from. We're afraid of being used by God. We're afraid of being in the presence of God with. Am I the only one that feels that way sometimes? Do, we all, do any of us have that? Do any of us hear those things from the enemy? Maybe, hey, let me put it to you this way. Here's some questions I wrote down inside of this condemnation that the enemy may be doing. If I'm, if I'm throwing you for a loop, hang in here with me. How could God love you? Don't you think that woman felt that way? She's literally naked in the court of men, drugged through the court of women, almost in the middle of the temple, naked. Do you think God can love you? Do you think she thought God loved her in that moment? I know I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. The enemy will do that. He'll condemn you that way. He'll say, hey, how could God love you? Hey, you ruin everything. Hey, if you would have, if you would have not been with this person, you wouldn't have got caught. If you wouldn't have done this, you wouldn't have got caught. Hey, you mess up everything. Maybe that's where the enemy and Satan is and the accuser is condemning you today. But here's what I want you to know every time he condemns you is Jesus stands in as your advocate and he stands right there. We're about to see Jesus act in that. So when the accuser comes to condemn you for your sin, to condemn you and try to keep you stuck in the chains and bondage that Jesus died to set you free from, Jesus stands in as your advocate in that moment. Because the thing that I, get, I see the most in the Christian walk is we believe Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, we believe Jesus died for our sins but we love carrying those chains and bondage around with us all the way through because we're afraid to lay it at his feet. And sometimes the mob has an idea to lay it at his feet that Jesus will use to set you free and make you understand that you've been set free. And that's where this woman was when she was condemned. So understand, Jesus stands in as our advocate when the accuser condemns. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's go on with this story. Three hours left. We're good. All right, three hours. Okay, good. We're going to go on with the story. John 8, verse 6 says this, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. So maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't. So I don't know, maybe you saw the movie with Charlton Heston and you saw, let my people go. Like, I, I don't know if you remember any of those days. But when Moses went up on that mountain, how did God write the Ten Commandments? With his finger. God is literally in the temple courts. This is stone more than likely, and he's writing something in the ground, advocating in the moment that the accuser's condemning this person, advocating in the moment this accuser's condemning her, writing something in the ground. Now, a lot of people want to talk about that. We'll talk about in a minute what he wrote down. I'll tell you what I think. We may never know, but the beauty is what we have to see is Jesus is actually advocating right now for this woman. But you think they saw it? Nah. They just kept on questioning him. It says, when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who was out sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down 
and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older one first, till only Jesus was left with the woman. Favorite part, still standing there. This whole time she stood tall. This whole time she stands there with him. You see, to me this is huge because... The accuser starts by condemning you, and then he separates and divides you. So the accuser divides you. He tries to divide you away. Remember what he did. Remember what the father of lies, what Satan did with Eve, is he brought her over to the side to this tree last week when he comes at you with lies. Today he's coming at you with accusations against your soul to say, hey, I'm dividing you away. So much so the Pharisees that were supposed to be in the middle of a celebration with the person they were celebrating sitting right in front of them teaching, they missed it. They were divided away and so mad and so hungry with power that they would rather throw a woman in front of Jesus and stone her than celebrate God's faithfulness in the past and be expectant of what he has going forward. Church, does that sound familiar? It's what scares me the most. They hurl insults and say, how could she wear that? How could she be pregnant as a teenager? How could she be addicted to that drug? How could she have that? How could he do that? How could he do that? And instead of the church wrapping their arms and walking with people step by step, what we at Divine Church say is you're welcome here no matter what, and we're going to walk step by step with you no matter what accusations brought against you. And yet, most of us grew up in this, right? Where we were thrown down, and even when we were exposing our sin and coming and confessing and repenting, weren't we judged for it? We were divided away. Now, the reason that I think this is important when we see where Jesus is doing here is, as I was growing up, I remember I always used to hear, hey, he's writing the sins of those people down with his finger. I got a different take because that's just how I roll. It is what it is. And somebody will come after me if it's wrong. It's all right. But I, I don't think anybody has the answer to this. I think all Jesus had to do is write the Ten Commandments again because every one of them broke it. And guess what? Every one of us broke it. Because it says if we broke one law, we broke all laws. If we've lied, we've, we've committed murder. If we've committed murder, we've stolen. If we've stolen, we've coveted. If we've coveted, we've served another God other than God, and we put something else above God. If we broke one commandment, we broke them all, and all he had to do was sit there and just write the Ten Commandments down. And they started going away one by one. And so the accuser now all of a sudden sees this woman has Jesus advocating for her, and he sends everyone else away. Now, Jesus, they could have stayed with Jesus, couldn't they? Even though he wrote the Ten Commandments, they, could have, they pridefully threw a woman naked in front of Jesus. I think they could have had pride enough and been man enough to stand there and listen to what Jesus had to say, but they didn't. They walked away one by one. The older ones first, because the older ones probably remembered what the festival was for. Not only the older ones remember what the festival was for, they remember the sin in their life. And so they started stepping away bit by bit. Maybe Jesus wrote Deuteronomy 22:22 down. Maybe that's what he did and they all went away. I don't know, but I just think that is something that's really huge as we see that the accuser is dividing us because this is why it's important. And this is a different take you may have on this story. Because of God's lavish grace, we're all set free from sin. Absolutely. But Jesus had to fulfill the law in order for us not to have to do the law, in order for us not to have to live the perfect life. I don't see anything in here where Jesus says she shouldn't be stoned for adultery, do you? If he did that, he wouldn't be righteous because the law did call for it. Even though they didn't bring the man before him, 
Someone was supposed to be stoned for adultery. And yet Jesus in this fulfilling the law never says don't stone her. Instead, he advocates on her behalf and continues in the righteousness to uphold the law. And you're going to see how he fills that out here in a second. Even when the accuser condemns and divides them. So to me, it's so important for us to see that Jesus never denied the law or the truth. He just sat down and knew what the scheme was. The accuser will do that in your life. You'll think if I confess that and they find this out about me, man, it's over. It's over. They'll leave me. Guess what? They were never with you to begin with. And Jesus knew that. He knew those Pharisees were never with him to begin with. And they missed out on this festival, on this celebration because of the false accusations that Satan had planted in them. They condemned this woman and instead, instead of a celebration, they were pulled away and divided from everything that was supposed to be celebrated. Here's how it plays out in our life. I can't do that. There's no way. I don't look the right way. I don't talk the right way. I don't walk the right way. I don't have the education to do that. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Didn't go to seminary. I don't, have, I don't have the Bible reading to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't have the experience. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, my glasses aren't good enough. Whatever it is, whatever excuse and whatever lie we feed ourselves, the accuser will use to condemn us and shame us and divide us away from the celebration that we should have every Sunday, every day of our life. The Pharisees were there. The Jewish people had experienced God's provision, and this is what the festival was set up as so the Gentiles could see God is who he says he is. And instead, they're more worried about a woman getting stoned. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's what Satan will do in your life. He'll try to also make you justify your sin by saying their sin was worse than yours. You ever live that life? Well, I know I sin, but theirs is better. I ain't, I ain't as bad as them, right? Have you seen what they said at that red light? I'm sorry, whoever I passed the red light later today. Uh, have you seen what they done? Have you seen their sin? Have you seen how many times they've got caught? Have you seen how many times they've done this? The accuser of your soul says that you're better than somebody else. And when you do that, you're standing there fully clothed while somebody else is sitting there naked in front of Jesus fully exposed and he still loves you and he still loves them and in this moment what kills me is the pharisees walked in that place clothed but left more naked and exposed than ever before this woman walked in there exposed and is going to leave more covered than ever before the enemy in your life will tell you your current circumstances who you are your current circumstances what the best it will ever be and i promise you with jesus if you still got breath in your lungs, your eyes are still open, you can still hear, and you're still putting one foot in front of the other, the best is still yet to come. It's not finished, it's not over, he's still got more in store for you, and there's nothing that can stop you from doing it. No weapon formed against you will stop you. He promises it. Yet so many times in our life, we'll let the accuser of our soul go after that. I wonder how many celebrations I missed in my life because I was worried about someone else's sin. That's what the accuser will do. I wonder how many times I missed out on opportunities that were once in a lifetime. Like Jesus teaching in the temple courts. The very thing I'm supposed to be celebrating is in the presence of me. And I missed it because of somebody else. And Jesus was convicting me all the way through this, which is an accusation to say, who cares about their sin? You got enough going on in your own life. 
Just lift my name high. Come into my presence and watch what I will do. Even in your nakedness, even in your shame, I will use it for good. So I want you to know today, if the enemy is accusing your soul that you'll never be good enough, that that sin you committed has disqualified you from everything, it hasn't. Because with Jesus, it's made new. Let's continue on the story. We're about to end. It's only, we're only three hours in. You guys are great. You've got, well, you're ready for the test. So let me tell you, when, G, when the accuser denies, Jesus, Jesus unites. The accuser divides, Jesus unites. So now all of a sudden, just one more time on that picture as we continue in John. When the accuser divided everyone out, Jesus was united with this woman. Isn't that crazy? It's just him and the woman still standing there. And here's the last few verses. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, has no one condemned you? Think about that. Has no one condemned you? I wonder if, like, if I'm that woman and I'm naked standing there, I'm just like, Jesus, where have you been? Like, <laughs> did you see what these fools just did? They've drugged me through this place. Has anyone condemned me? This is what I love what she says to him. No one. She's standing in front of Jesus, naked, caught in adultery. And she's saying, no one's ever condemned me of it. And here's where we can get things messed up. Like I said, Jesus says, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. She says, no one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. And this is where we miss the story. This is where we miss who Jesus is. Because a lot of times we'll take this story and we do talk about God's grace. And it is lavish and we don't deserve it. And none of us do. But Jesus didn't give her a free pass to continue her life of adultery. What does he say? He says, has anyone condemned you? She says, no. He says, okay, here's what you need to do. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, the enemy will make you think that you can't break free from this sin. A lot of times addiction is where that lies. A lot of times people will tell you they're addicted to something, whatever it is in their life. And they'll think because, because of that sin that, that they can't go be what Jesus has called them to be. And listen, if you're following Jesus, you can go now and leave that life of sin. But if you're not in his presence, laying it at his feet holy, you can't. It's impossible. And that's where this woman is. No one condemned her. Jesus isn't condemning her. He's actually advocating for her. He's standing in there and he's saying, hey, go now. Leave your life of sin. So the accuser in this situation would have shamed her. We know this woman goes on and leaves her life of sin. But the accuser will start by condemning her in the moment in the act of her sin. Will divide her away from everyone else and make her feel like her sin's the worst sin and, and she deserves death for it, which by the way, we all deserve death for our sin. As a matter of fact, they'll throw her at the feet of Jesus and then the accuser will go and try to shame you in the moment that Jesus says, depart from your sin because you're gonna say in the midst of addiction, I can't break free from it. I don't have the authority to break free from it. And I wanna tell you, that's not an easy thing to fight. I'm not telling you that that's an easy thing. It's just an example. It's one sin of many. Pride is the same way. The Pharisees struggled with pride. But I wanna tell you that Jesus died on the cross to set you free 
Not being the chains of shame. Not being the chains of condemnation. Not being the chains of being divided away from community. Divided away from the people of God. Divided away from sharing Him with everyone. And so many times in our life where we get stuck is we think these broken pieces can't be used. We think that the things in our life that are sin can never be used by God. And I promise you, He can. If you think that He doesn't have a plan through that, then I want to submit to you that you are listening to the accuser today. Not the voice of God. So many times in our life, that's where we can be stuck. The accuser comes after us. He comes after us. And he calls us by our sin. What was the name of this woman at the beginning? The woman in adultery. Are you defining yourself by your sin today? Everything that's laid like this woman, she probably thought God was punishing her. But Jesus promises everything that's done in the dark will be brought to light, and he will use it for his glory and our good. So today when you think God's punishing you, he's not punishing you. He's doing. He's working things together for your good. Maybe you think after what you did, God won't come through. I want you to know God is close to the brokenhearted and rejoice because he is near. Stand up to the accuser and let him know that. Maybe this is where you stick today. You think God isn't there, he's disappointed in me, and he could never love me. And I want you to know my God will never leave you nor forsake you. He promised it. He promised it. So much so these people are in the temple that is supposed to be the very presence of God with the Son of God standing in front of them, and they missed it because they were listening to the wrong person. I wonder if the Pharisees sat there who had all the answers, knew all the Bible verses, prayed all the prayers, gave all the tithes, if they understood who Jesus was and they sat there and listened to the voice of God versus the voice of the accuser, how much different this story could have been. And I want you to know today, your story can be different. Because right now, and hopefully I can get this up here where you can see it. If not, you're just going to have to roll with me. Right here, I'm going to put this on, and I'm going to ask that they turn the lights off in the back for a second. We didn't practice this, so this is on me, but it's going to make sense. Today, the accuser is coming after you. 
because you think that you can't be used in your brokenness. And we know that Jesus is the only thing that makes us whole. And the thing that I was getting ready for this this week, and I was praying through this again and asking Jesus, what would he have me do? It made me think of the season that we're in, the harvest festival, some things that we put out. We put pumpkins out. We put things out on our front porch, right? And all of a sudden, we carve that pumpkin up, and we break it apart, have some great sunflower, have some great sunflower seeds to be bad with a pumpkin. We have some great pumpkin seeds, and all of a sudden, we have that thing, and we break this pumpkin apart, and we think that it can't be used, right? But do we use that pumpkin? We cut holes in it to use it. As a matter of fact, I've got an example of something right now. Like, if this was just a solid piece of something, when I turn this light on, you wouldn't be able to see it. So many times we think of that. We think to follow Jesus, we have to be a perfect vessel, dressed the perfect way, doing the perfect thing, doing the 12-step program that has it all right, have all the good works, dress the right way, know all the Bible verses, pray all the prayers. And we say, once we do that, then we'll follow him because that's when we've got it right. But here's what I submit to you that the accuser will do to you and make you think that can't be used. Because our broken pieces, when the light shines through it, Those broken pieces are what shines through the most and the light shows through the most and the light pierces through the most in the dark. If that was a solid owl right there, if that was a solid pumpkin on your front porch, everybody would think, awesome at Halloween. They got some pumpkins. But you say, no, I want to share the light with people because I don't want to leave my porch light on. I want to have my jack-o'-lantern out front and I want to share the light with the world. So we carve this pumpkin up and we make it a jack-o'-lantern and we let the light shine through. I wonder today, are you letting the light shine through your brokenness? Are you letting the accuser say that you are your sin, you'll never be good enough, you'll never be used by God, that it will never work? Are you letting your brokenness be used by Jesus and his light shine through you? Because when you do that, you'll change the world. When you don't, you'll stay condemned, you'll stay divided, and you'll stay ashamed. Yet so many times in our Christian walk, we miss, we miss that the light shines through the brokenness. The brokenness. Jesus makes us whole, but his light shines through the brokenness in our life, the sin in our life. So I wonder today, are you listening to that accuser? Are you believing that your broken vessel can't be used? Or are you trusting that's exactly what Jesus is going to do to work things together for your good and his glory? If you think you have to have the perfect vessel, you're going to miss the festival. You're going to miss the celebration. You're going to miss the freedom that comes from surrendering your life to Christ. So today, we talked about it last week. Maybe you're realizing, maybe you follow Jesus and you're realizing that you've been listening to the accuser. I'm going to pray for you at the end of the service. And I'm going to pray that God's light, that God's light will shine through that you don't try to be perfect, that you don't try to have a perfect facade. Because if you put a light in a box and put a lid on it, no one can see it. But even if you put a lid on that box and there's broken pieces in it, the light will still shine through. So I'm going to pray for you today that even in your brokenness, you would see, you would see Jesus move. And here at the end, we do this every week. The band's going to play a last song Our worship, our Vine worship team is going to play a last song, but I'm just going to ask you something. 
Maybe you've listened to the voice of the accuser your whole life because you don't know that Jesus is knocking on your door just like Satan is trying to knock on your door. And the reason we do what we do each and every week is so that his name gets more fame. And so today, if you've never given your life to Christ, here's what I want to submit to you. Romans 8 verses 1 and 2 says it this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Maybe you're hearing the voice of the accuser because you've never given your life to Christ. And today is the day that you can be set free. Today is the day that you can respond. Today is the day that you can not only silence the voice of the accuser, but have an answer to the voice of the accuser. Because when he tries to condemn you, when he tries to shame you, when he tries to divide you, Romans 8 tells us right there, we have no condemnation, just like Jesus had with that woman. He didn't condemn her. He told her to go and leave her life of sin. Through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. In Christ Jesus, you can tell Satan, I've been set free. Leave me alone. Get behind me. Away from me. And today, if you're listening to the accuser, I want to give you a response if you've never given your life to Jesus because that is the only response is through Christ Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer in a second. It's not the words of this prayer. It's actually receiving by faith that Jesus is who he says he is because the one thing we all have in common in this house and those that are watching online is I want to tell you, all of us are sinners. Each and every one of us have broken every one of the Ten Commandments. None of us are perfect. None of us are that perfect box that we want the world to think we are. None of us are. None of us have it together. And because of that sin, we deserve to be stoned to death. Because of that sin, we deserve death. But God loved us enough that he made a way. He made a way. Last week we talked about the garden. He's been pursuing us since the very foundation of the earth to be in a relationship with him. And because of that sin and because of that death, we couldn't. So he sent his son, Jesus, to live the life we couldn't live, the law, die the death we deserved, which is what we, we deserved for this sin. He died on the cross. But you see, here's the thing about Jesus. He knew that we needed to be taught. So he loved us enough that he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day so that we can experience freedom now so that it doesn't have to wait till we get into heaven. We can experience it now on this earth so much so that we get to share it with everyone. That we get to look Satan in the face and say, you can accuse my soul all day long, but I know who I am in Christ. So today, if that's you, we're going to pray this prayer to receive by faith Jesus is who he says he is. And this is your moment to go and leave your life of sin. So if everyone would stand, we're going to pray out loud together for the benefit of those who are coming for the first time to Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner, separated from you, deserving death. I believe you lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved from my sin on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead and rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life. 
Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bowed and every eye closed, with everyone watching online, this is your moment. Right now, you are in the feet of Jesus. You have been thrown in front of Jesus, and this is your moment to respond. Will you walk away like the Pharisees who wanted to be perfect? Will you be like this woman and stand there in Christ and have a relationship with him no matter what? When I count to three is your moment to respond. You can respond online. You can comment online. You can email us at hello at the Facebook or hello at the vine.tv. You can call us at 864-580-6698. This is your moment. This is your time. just to worship your name. I pray that we would see and hear the voice of the accuser, but we would know that it's the accuser as opposed to you, our creator. I pray that your voice would reign louder, that we would focus on you more than our circumstance, focus on you more than the situation, focus on you more than our brokenness, focus on you more than what the world says we are, the world shames us to be, condemns us to be, or divides us and separates us from. Jesus, I pray that we would see you like never before today. I pray that we would be your light, that we would show you to the world because in you alone we have freedom. And instead of throwing people in their sin at your feet, I pray that we would let everyone know that at your feet all of us are sinners and at your feet we are set free, that the ground is level at the cross, that we wouldn't condemn others who are struggling in sin, that we wouldn't shame others who are struggling in sin, and that we wouldn't try to divide them from you, but instead we would try to bring them to you show them you by how we love you and love them. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
You're the God of this city. You're the King of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. things have yet to come. Greater things have still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things have still to be done in this someone so you can lock it up, but we ain't going to do a shoulder workout yet. We ain't praying just yet. <laughs> I just want to let you know, if you want to do a shoulder workout, it's all good. You do your thing. We always pray as a family here. <clears throat> but I do want us to know that greater things are yet to come. Church, as we get to the end of this thing, the more we show our brokenness, the more we can show Jesus' light to the world. The more we're willing to put ourselves down, show the world him oh my goodness the stories are being written here that we haven't seen 
stuck in the shame, in their addiction, and in their guilt, and in their condemnation their whole life. We hadn't met them yet. But when we show our brokenness to the world, don't give the world our Sunday school story, our real story. That's when we see a city living out greater things. I'm thankful that we get to be here and we get to live out these greater things. And I want you to know, in Christ, greater things are being done. So as we bow our heads and pray, I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for letting us celebrate the feast of the tabernacles today. It's a festival that happened at the end of September, so we think that it's, it's stopped at a calendar, but Jesus, realistically, we get to celebrate that feast every day. We celebrate a year of your faithfulness at the vine, but also we have anticipation of what you're about to do. Jesus, there are stories that we are getting written in right now that we don't know. So Jesus, right now, maybe we're sitting here like this woman and we're worried about being exposed, but let us see that everything that we are exposing to you, Lord, you will heal, you will restore, you will bring good to us and your name glory through it, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the season is. So let us not be afraid of what coming to you fully, not wearing what we think we should wear, not perfect like we think we should do, not this prayer to be heard, but a life that is to be lived, a life that is freedom that can be shared with the world through the hope that is only the gospel, the hope that is only you. So Jesus, as we get to go into this season, knowing greater things have yet to come, I pray that we would be able to discern the voice of the accuser from the voice of the Savior. And Jesus, today, no matter where we are, you have always been our advocate. And when we give our life to you, we give it to you wholly. Let us not carry around the chains of this sin anymore. You died to set us free from it. Let us not have that on us anymore. And let us see the scars that you've given us have a story behind it. And the story is your faithfulness, Jesus. How you brought us through. How you saved us from certain death. How you are who you say you are. So Jesus, every person that's here today that's struggling with their brokenness, I pray that they would be at your feet and that they would see a church, they would see a family, they would see us walking season, through the season with them, walking step by step with them, but more importantly, through us, they would see you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we get to do this each and every week. It's in your wonderful, your precious, your holy name we pray, not for our fame, but for yours, Lord. Have an awesome week. We're going to continue When the Devil Knocks next week with The Destroyer. And we're asking if you come to church next Sunday, dress up in your Halloween costume, outfit, whatever you call it these days, whatever the kids call it these days, because it's going to be fun. Love you guys. See you next week.